This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We have the president and CEO of Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association, Mr. Charles Gauthier. Mr. Charles Gauthier, he's been in that role since 1992. He has seen some significant changes. Yes. Uh, significant changes in Vancouver over his tenure. Um, huge changes. Huge. Yeah. Like he watched it all and he was involved in it in a, in a role that uh, has evolved from one of like, I think, just kind of monitoring, helping out with businesses to being now the CEO and president of one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, BIAs, I think, in the country. Yeah, business improvement associations. He's yes. definitely one of the one of the largest. And for sure, know, I, he kind of mentions it, right? When other downtown business improvement associations look at Vancouver, they're, they're often jealous. They are jealous of the BIG. Um, <laughs> this is the thing, though. He's from Winnipeg as well. He is. Um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, glad, he, glad he made the move, I'm sure, potentially. Maybe he misses it. One thing's for sure. Knows how to make a snowball and uh, probably... Uh, and probably duck a punch once in yeah, a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we got to do before this conversation? We've got so, a few things we've yeah, got to pick I mean, up on. One thing we should talk about, uh, the conversation, stay tuned because we're talking 
pain points, COVID-19, obviously. Uh, what does this recovery look like? How fast is it? What is he optimistic about? Um, it's a great conversation, very timely for sure. But before we get to our talk with Charles, we got a few things. Yes. One, we are still hiring. We are still At hiring. Selena Real Estate, we are hiring. We would like anyone interested, especially people that listen to the podcast, um, Please get in touch at info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We are looking for somebody, an aspiring licensee, somebody who's getting their real estate license soon or got it recently or is looking to make a change. We'd like to talk to you. Sure. Please get in touch. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Absolutely, Matt. And uh, we should talk about CMHC because that was the interesting news that happened oh, yesterday, right. actually. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we're hiring while Evan Siddell is predicting the, <laughs> the country's economy is about to collapse. Tourists strip off the real estate, the Canadian real estate market. Uh, I think it's about debt levels. I think the main yeah. thing here is about debt levels across Canada. That's for sure. Just slapping hands with a ruler. <laughs> um, he was, uh, so here, here's, here's a couple things that came out of that was as many as 20% of mortgages could go into arrears if the Canadian economy does not improve. That's one thing. Second thing, CMHC sees house prices declining between 9 and 18% in the, in the next, next 12, 12 months. That's, that's, uh, that's substantial. Yeah. But I mean, we, we need to, you know, and, and the last point, I guess I'll just highlight quickly is that there, there is, they're considering increasing mortgage down payments for insured mortgages from 5% up to 10%. Yeah. Which this is all very interesting, right? And I think it's, it's again, and we've said this before, market specific. Right. One, one, yeah. I don't think I, I'm trying to remember the last time I dealt with uh, a client who was only putting 5% down in Vancouver. I don't know if that's as uh, prevalent here as it is in other markets. Yeah. But I mean, psychologically, that's not a great thing. Tightening up mortgage rules is never, never great for any real estate market in terms of just yeah. transactions, turnover, that type of thing. But more importantly and more to the point here, I think, uh, not great news for the Canadian real estate writ large, but that's a fairly broad brush Evan Siddell's painting with, of course. Yeah. And we always, I mean, we don't even talk about Vancouver. We talk about sub-markets within Vancouver, and there's some wild fluctuations in how these markets are doing. So sub-market specific. It's the skin of the argue, skin of the onion concept, right? Right. We, right. we, we, we dive deep here. And if, if you are like, there's a lot of activity in, in a lot of sub markets and sub price points in Vancouver. And in fact, I was in two multiple offer situations this week. Uh, I will probably be in more in the coming weeks. And I think you're probably in the same boat as me. It, it is definitely busy still in a lot of sub markets in Vancouver. So I wouldn't apply the whole to the part, um, nor the part to the whole. <laughs> Figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if you want to understand uh, more about where you live or where you're looking to buy, uh, get in touch because it, we'd love to talk to people about the sub markets. Sure. You might be surprised. The information is very specific that we have and uh, we can definitely help. Absolutely, Matt. And uh, before we get to uh, our conversation, we do have to mention we are sponsored by Oakland Realty, best brokerage in the game. Quick shout out to Oakland, who's doing a fantastic job during this COVID-19 thing. So many wonder, seminars and resources and support. I wonder if there's another brokerage out there that is doing a tenth. A tenth of, of what? Of uh, what Oakland's doing in terms of education, right. resources, outreach, Zoom calls, that type yeah. of thing. It's yeah. It's been... 
it's been incredible. The level of energy. A lot of people uh, took this time to just watch The Sopranos, and uh, that's yeah. not what's going on at Oakland, that's for sure. Yeah. So if you're a new agent or looking to make a change, realtor out there right now, looking to make a change, a fresh start, head over to oakland.com slash join and type in VRP2020. There's a huge surprise. Yeah, it kind of sounds like VREP2020, but it's VRP2020. Make sure you type that in. Uh, the surprise is massive. It's a, it's a massive secret, as some, some of us might call it. But it's, uh, it's, uh, speaking of massive secrets, <laughs> secret, get in touch. No, he's actually, I, I actually just got a, 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 in, what was I also it, an got alert this from my fitness pal. I also got that. He's alert. logged in thirty days in a row. He's gonna be, uh, he's gonna be the best kept secret. <laughs> <laughs> some some might say, um, but yeah, it it's anyways. Oakland.com slash join VRP twenty twenty. Uh, it's the place you want to be. Matt, do we have anything else before we cut to our interview with Charles? I don't think we got anything else today. Uh, let's talk with Charles Gauthier from downtown vancouver business improvement association yeah we'll see you after the conversation okay so we're here with charles gauthier president and ceo of downtown vancouver business improvement association how you doing charles I'm doing well, considering. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you sound like you're a busy guy. Thanks uh, so much for taking the time today to uh, to talk with us. Yeah, you're welcome and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so so Charles, maybe can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, well, I've been uh, with the organization for just over 28 years, so I arrived two years after it was uh, established. And uh, I did start off in the in the senior position that I'm in right now. It was called uh, general manager and uh, became executive director. And then I was here long enough and <laughs> I, uh, the, the board, uh, you know, changed the title just because the organization has evolved so much uh, during that time. When I arrived in 1992, I had two staffs and uh, we've now grown the organization to uh, slightly over 30 staff, uh, which includes our downtown ambassadors Wow. And our downtown clean team, which is our most visible part of the program that the general public and our membership would see. So I've had a, a long run. And before that, I worked in um, Summerland for two years in a very similar role, but a smaller community. And then I I started off my career in Winnipeg with a, with a regional economic development corporation. And I did that for, um, I think that was almost four years. Uh, so yeah, I had a, I've had a, a very diverse career in different cities, both large and small, and um, but always with a nonprofit uh, organization. And, and you're, we were talking before we went live here, Charles, but originally from Winnipeg, as as Adam and and I am as well. Um, you you went to the University of Manitoba and and uh, graduated with a, a planning degree, correct? Yes. A uh, very small planning school, but one of the longest running planning schools in Canada. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great program. It was a relatively small uh, class. Uh, I think we were about a dozen in the master's program and, uh, you know, it provided us with a great opportunity uh, to learn directly from the professors and uh, obviously with such a small 
group of uh, classmates, uh, you know, really got to, you know, delve into a variety of different topics and learn from each other. And we all came from different disciplines. Uh, we had people that uh, were architects and others that had uh, were coming back to get their master's uh, degree after being uh, in the workforce for a number of years. Uh, I didn't do that. I, I just jumped from uh, my bachelor program into the master's program and, you know, started my career in 1986, which, uh, you know, everyone was uh, in Vancouver celebrating Expo 86. And uh, I was uh, just trying to get my first job uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, which I landed uh, sometime in the summer of that year. So I, I missed Expo 86. Ah, I have one burning question. Are you a, a Jets fan or a Canucks fan? Uh, well, I, I kind of cheer for both, but I'm going to cheer for the Canucks fan, <laughs> uh, for, for the Canucks when they're in town. Uh, right. I was actually set to go to the Canucks Jets game that was going to happen in the latter part of March, and then so are, they got canceled. We were yeah. both going to that game as well. I know it was a it was heartbreaking a tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> as that week yeah. as the week went on, and it seemed once the NBA canceled, I was it ripped up my tickets. <laughs> yeah, my twin my twin nephews were going to come in from Kamloops uh, for that game, and we would have seen them at the game, but uh, yeah, it it didn't happen. So uh, we'll have to wait till next season or the season thereafter, whenever we get uh, over this particular um, virus. Right. And and so you've been in, in the position with the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement, Improvement Association since 1992. So uh, you've seen considerable change in, in Vancouver's downtown. Oh, a massive change. Uh, I was here when Larry Beasley was the uh, chief planner with the city of Vancouver and uh, they were uh, moving forward with their, uh, their policy of increasing the number of uh, housing on the downtown peninsula. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was really exciting time. And obviously the expo lands were being uh, converted from being a site of the expo to being what we see today in terms of the high density residential um, Certainly, um, you know, for the course of the last uh, five to 10 years, um, with the increase in the number of uh, office buildings within the downtown and more to come over the course of the next uh, three to four years with about four million new square feet of office space. Uh, yeah, it's just been phenomenal growth, uh, you know, in in the downtown itself and in the city as a whole. And it, it's just been, um, you know, really rewarding part of my career to play a small part you know we're a business improvement association you know we're not the we're not the developers and we're not the ones that are actually building things but certainly we're there to provide the support that we can uh also support their proposals you know developers have come to us with uh, uh seeking our support as an organization for uh, new office buildings and for new housing projects and uh, we've been there to support that. The new convention center that opened up uh, just over 10 years ago, you know, we were uh, part of that movement to to get that uh, convention center expanded. Uh, there's been a lot of projects that we've been involved as an organization. And, uh, yeah, I would say that um, I'm really proud to have been part of that. It's kind of an incredible 28 years to be uh to be in the role that, that you've, you've been in for sure with just how many changes in the Olympics and everything else. Um, can, can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about 
um, kind of the nuts and bolts of what the association does? Like who, who are your members and, and what, what the goals are? Yeah. Well, let one, I could roll the tape back a little bit further. Uh, this is the 50th year, uh, that the business improvement association movement, um, has been around. So, it, you know, had we not had this particular issue this year with the uh, coronavirus, um, back in, uh, in Toronto, they would have probably done some big celebration to mark the anniversary of, uh, when the BIA movement was established and it was established in Canada. Uh, and this movement is spread across the world. Uh, it's literally probably on every single continent with the exception of one Antarctica. Uh, but it's, um, it's basically uh, a self-funding model where commercial building owners, um, agree, uh, and, it, and it's done through a variety of different processes, but they agree to, uh, contribute towards, uh, the organization itself. So in our case, uh, we represent 90 blocks of the downtown area, which includes the central business district and downtown south. And we're surrounded by smaller BIs like the West End BI, Robson Street, Yale Town. Uh, Chinatown, Crosstown, and there's a few others there. Gastown, I missed that one. Uh, but we're 90 blocks for the largest one. And in that area, we have 7,000 businesses that are eligible to be members. They don't have to pay anything to belong because our funding is through a levy that's collected on all commercial properties within our district. And then we use that money to do all our programming, supporting our downtown ambassador program, our clean team program, all our marketing initiatives all the advocacy work we do, our economic development work, and all our placemaking work. So like bringing the different places and spaces uh, like the Front Plaza, the Vancouver Art Gallery to life by sponsoring festivals and events that others put on. And then we do some of our own programming too. So we do a lot of work uh, for that. And this year, our budget is about $5 million. Um, So April 1st to March 31st of, of next year. And, and Charles, you you were saying that um, you you currently have over, I believe, thirty staff members. And, and just to kind of gauge compared to, there's I, my understanding is there's uh, twenty two businesses uh, improvement associations in in the Van- Vancouver area. Uh, so would you be the largest then in downtown? And how does that compare to maybe some of the other associations? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're the we'll be one of the largest uh, business improvement associations. Uh, in, in Vancouver, um, the, the other BIs, uh, their budgets are going to be, you know, it'll be all over the map, but, uh, I think the nearest one to us will be about one million, one and a half million dollars in their annual budget. And they may not, uh, have more than two or three people on staff. Okay. Uh, and then, and then they may contract out, uh, security services and, and, um, uh, and cleaning services um, like our clean team and our downtown ambassadors. Um, and then in terms of uh, throughout Canada, uh, yeah, we're, we're up there. We'll probably be, if not one of the largest uh, with budgets and, and area that we represent, but we're pretty close to the top. Right. And, and can you speak uh, a lot of, a lot of our listeners are uh, live downtown, um, so they'll have their own sense of what uh, what the impact of COVID nineteen has been. But but can you speak a little bit about what impact uh, COVID nineteen has had on on the small business community in downtown and and the vitality of downtown more generally? Yeah, well, um, I'll speak about the the second part of your question first. I mean, 
you know, a, a downtown that uh, is uh, is kind of respected and uh, and the envy, um, primarily in North America, by a lot of my colleagues that run similar kind of organizations. Uh, you know, known for its vitality and known for uh, the residents that that live downtown and then the 140,000 people that work uh, downtown each and every day uh, literally had the life sucked out of it, you know, with COVID-19. So uh, it, it literally was uh, a ghost town. Um, I, I stayed here uh, probably a little bit longer than I, I should have. I, I was trying to work here in the office. I'm back in the office now. It's my third week. Uh, but I tried to work uh, an additional week, uh, but it was literally breaking my heart uh, to see, um, you know, a number of my favorite restaurants and coffee shops, you know, within my small circle of two to three blocks that I had become accustomed over the course of the last number of years that we've been in this particular office space, uh, to see them boarded up and closed. And, uh, and uh, it was just becoming very difficult for me to watch that. Uh, so I, I made the decision on March 24th uh, that I'd be working from home um, for a duration of time. Uh, and then, of course, I was getting reports uh, from my team. Some of my team wanted to continue to come to the office. And I was obviously seeing the reports on television uh, in regards to what was going on. So that that was um, that was hard to take because, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of those small businesses and, you know, I got to know them. Uh, I would say on a personal basis and how much time and effort they put in growing their business, be it a coffee shop or a restaurant or a retail shop. And all of a sudden to get uh, blindsided by something that none of us have experienced ever in our lifetimes uh, was, was difficult. And, uh, and then I would say we're still learning about, you know, what those impacts will be um, long-term to their bottom lines. And um, we're, hopeful that many of them will continue to will be able to to get up back and running relatively soon and dealing with i guess the new normal uh but we haven't quantified what that impact will be uh we're actually working with a number of other groups uh to try to compile that information and uh you're probably familiar with the greater vancouver board of trade and some other organizations right. have been doing surveys uh province-wide to try to get a better understanding of what the impact will be of COVID 19. So I, I couldn't help but notice as I was driving through Yale Town yesterday, Charles, that some businesses seem to be opening, um, although very kind of restricted. Um, are, are we starting to see businesses um, up and running again, or, or how is this going to play out over the coming weeks as the economy starts to slowly open up? Yeah, so I just got some early results that I looked at this morning that are encouraging. So we're working with uh, a number of tourism and hospitality organizations to try to gauge when businesses are going to reopen. And uh, most of the results I looked at today were from businesses within our 90 block area. And I'm encouraged by what I saw. So many, I would say the vast majority of them are planning to open um, before the end of this month or early into next month. And I'm talking primarily about uh, street-level businesses and those in the hospitality and tourism sector. Um, So that's encouraging news. And then, you know, we saw Pacific Center open up last week um, and uh, and then Hudson Bay opened up yesterday. 
the Apple store in Pacific Center was scheduled to open today, and then Nordstrom is opening up uh, on Thursday, tomorrow. And there are more and more businesses as I go on my walks now uh, within my circle that I've talked about, uh, the two to three block radius. And as I drive into work each day that are starting to open up, uh, the hoardings are coming down from the businesses at the street level. Uh, so that's really encouraging news. And certainly what we need to see come back are the office workers because they do support a lot of those street level retailers, the restaurants, uh, just by their spending patterns, going out for lunch and doing some shopping during their breaks. Uh, so I think the recovery is going to be slow. Uh, and, uh, you know, it will take time for us to get back if we ever do get back to pre-COVID-19 uh, circumstances. Um, what I also think is that a lot of this, the retailers and restaurants will probably keep those models in place that they put up during the last two months in terms of offering takeout and curbside delivery. Uh, because again, we, you know, from what we hear is that we might potentially get a second wave of, um, of COVID-19 in the fall. And, uh, for those businesses to be able to survive and thrive, um, they'll have to be more resilient and keep those platforms up and running. It sounds like just in your kind of your circle, but also with the, all the businesses that are represented um, by your organization, what you guys do, like, are you, are you expecting a lot of, uh, empty storefronts at the end of this or, or in your conversations and kind of the data you're looking at, um, like how, how have your, your members fared so far? Yeah. You know, it's, it, I think it might be a bit too early to speculate, you know, what the, the outcome will be as a result of this. Um, I think in part, it's going to depend on, whether or not the businesses have taken advantage of the federal programs that are available, the wage subsidies and, and uh, the other supports that have been put in place. Um, uh, so if they've taken advantage of that, then I think that will be beneficial. I think it'll also depend on all the different marketing campaigns that will be launched to encourage people to come back because I think there will be uh, individuals that will be concerned about whether or not it's safe to come back and go into restaurants and do and go back into retail shops. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think the jury is still out in terms of you know what kind of comeback will we see? Um, I, again, we've never experienced anything like this in our lifetime. So uh, I think it's a big question mark as to whether or not uh, you know the survival rate you know, what that will look like going forward. Mm -hmm. um, we'll do everything we can working with partners to uh, try to provide a better uh, outcome in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that they can be successful. For example, you know, city of Vancouver last week just approved uh, helping to expedite patios and outdoor eating spaces. And, and so my team is working hard to, uh, provide all kinds of assistance to our restaurants to be able to do that and take advantage of those programs. Um, and then we also, we've done a couple of uh, meetings over Zoom over the last couple of weeks uh, to help our retailers better learn uh, best practices from those that have been operating during COVID-19 over the course of the last two months. So London Drugs, you know, big shout out to them. You know, they had a representative uh, made available to us to do a Zoom call with retailers to share best practices, you know, what to do with uh, 
any return merchandise, you know, how do you isolate that, ensure that, you know, there's no potential for the virus to spread? Um, you know, what do you need to put in place to make customers feel safe and comfortable when they come into your store? Um, so we're doing everything we can to help facilitate uh, a smooth uh, re-entry into the marketplace by informing and providing the best practices that are out there. But I think it is a big question mark, just getting back to your question as to, you know, I think it's anyone's guess, frankly, as to, you know, how well will they um, be able to survive this? Well, one thing that strikes me is, you know, um, Adam and I are both in real estate and uh, this basically from May through about October, I feel like every weekend when you're trying to get to an open house, half of Vancouver is shut down for marathons, festivals of some kind. Like that's, but I mean that in the most positive way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and you were saying like in front of the art gallery, for instance, uh, kind of putting on events, but that's the thing that you can't do, right? Like a lot of what you guys do is, is, is uh, totally out of the, out, outside the parameters now. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, that um, that's that's kind of our placemaking efforts that we do as an organization. Uh, we support 25 to 30 festivals uh, and different events uh, throughout each year. And uh, with our new 10-year mandate that started on April 1st of this year, um, we we were well prepared to launch all of that just prior to COVID-19, you know, arriving uh, here on our shore. And so. Um, yeah, we've had to rethink that because uh, we've known based on what we've done with festivals and events in the past, they bring thousands of people uh, downtown that, you know, traditionally may not come downtown. They live elsewhere outside of the city and they, they want to come here if there's something really special and unique happening. And then when they're here, they tend to go to the restaurants and the retailers. They kind of make a day out of it right. and uh, support our local economy. Or we're actually bringing people from further afield if it's an event that we're sponsoring like the Jazz Festival or the BMO Marathon. So uh, unfortunately, you know, that's not going to be in the cards uh, for this year and potentially next year uh, based on, you know, how well we navigate uh, COVID-19 and if we can actually find a vaccine and uh, have it, um, you know, rolled out in a very efficient and quick way. So what we've now had to do, what we're now looking at doing is we're looking at developing some marketing campaigns that won't include festivals and events to bring people back downtown to explore downtown and uh, we're in discussions with uh, some the hotel community specifically about how we can do that. Um, we're not in a, in, in a we're not ready to, to you know to disclose exactly what that's going to look like, but we're going to have to do different things to bring people back downtown because um, it it is going to be a challenge uh, for our restaurants and our retailers um, because we're not going to be able to do those festivals and events. And then we also know that international tourism. Uh, is is likely off the table uh, for this year. Definitely this summer, we won't have cruise ships. We won't have conventions uh, potentially for for a very long time. Just thinking about Vancouver and kind of its uniqueness in in at least the Canadian context and maybe the North American context um, in some ways, it seems like downtown is has the or Vancouver's downtown has the upper hand in in a lot of ways because of how many residential towers there are and people living downtown right it's not necessarily a destination but it's a place that people live and yet it's so um 
shaped by just as you said tourism uh international tourism the cruise ship industry and and things like that like how do you think vancouver is going to fare uh you know best guess over the next 12 to 18 months in relation to kind of maybe more traditional downtowns across the country and and maybe across north america yeah well, that's a great question i i've always said uh that uh downtown vancouver's quite diversified like we don't all have all our eggs in one basket you know we're not uh we're not a government city uh if i can use that example like victoria or you know pick any other capital in our country um so we don't necessarily rely on on that particular workforce but we're we're quite diversified you know we have tourism we have conventions um you know we have a, a really we're the employment center of uh, british columbia uh, we have a strong residential population on the peninsula itself. Um, and so I've always said that diversification uh, is really our salvation, uh, because if one particular area uh, is waning, then the, you know, the balance of it could potentially support, um, support the downtown and its fortunes. Uh, I think what's uh, what's happened here is that, you know, we've all been delivered a body blow by uh, COVID-19 and the impact was uh, immediate and it affected everyone. And uh, and so that that's going to be the challenging part is, you know, what is the road to recovery uh, out of this? And, um, you know, there's uh, a lot there's a lot of smart people working on this, uh, especially in the tourism and hospitality sector. And developing some campaigns to bring people back to explore, um, in particular, British Columbia, like discover your own province. And then uh, certainly there's a focus on uh, bringing Canadians uh, to to Vancouver, you know, get people doing road trips like I did as a kid. Like every other <laughs> <Yeah>. summer, uh, <laughs> my parents would load us up in the car and uh, it would take us uh, three or four days to get to to Vancouver to visit family here. Uh, so more, I'm, I'm thinking we can probably rely on uh, you know, bringing people from elsewhere in Canada come to Vancouver. Um, there's not a lot of time to do that. I mean, July and August are literally just around the corner. Uh, and I think the other thing is, you know, we've got a strong residential uh, population here as well. And um, it's about, you know, getting them to, uh, you know, to do what they've always done is support the retail and the restaurants that are here in their own backyard and getting them more comfortable uh, to go back out. Um, in ensuring that they feel safe and comfortable doing that. And I think the early, um, early news that I'm hearing from some of our retailers is that, you know, they are starting to see people trickle back and uh, doing some shopping. And uh, there's a number of retailers in Pacific center that are, are offering sales now, uh, which I think is a good way to lure people back. Um, but I think our tourism sector is going to take a while to, to bounce back and, depending on when they open up the borders and when do we feel safe to welcome Americans back up here, I think is, is definitely going to be um, a big question uh, mark for all of us. Like when is it safe for Americans to come back to Vancouver to experience everything that we have to offer? I'm just uh, out of curiosity, Charles, have you, have you seen an increase in, in crime downtown and uh, like just imagining um, with fewer people downtown, with businesses empty, um, have you seen an uptick in crime? And, and also, have there been any lessons about how to maybe um, prevent crime? And if if we do see a second wave, yeah. 
so so we did see um like immediately once we we saw um offices close closed down and uh retails and restaurants and you know as we started to see less and less foot traffic as well uh we were starting to get reports from our street level uh, members that they were experiencing more commercial break and enters um thankfully what we had, what we did is we I have a community safety uh, senior manager on my team and uh, he had anticipated something like this and so what we did is we uh, added uh uh, overnight security patrols, uh, mobile patrols. And, uh, and then we also communicated with the police department, which we have a great relationship with. Um, and, and we, uh, we were able to, uh, address it with VPD support, uh, within a week and a half. And we started to see then a reduction in commercial break and enters as a result of our efforts and those of the police. So, uh, that was an unfortunate, um, byproduct, but, uh, again, the foresight of my senior manager of community safety uh, paid dividends in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that it didn't get uh, to a point that would have been, uh, you know, intolerable, int- uh, intolerable for our members. So um, that was really a, a, a good move on his part. And then we adjusted uh, some of our other programs. And we also encouraged businesses at street level to take uh precautionary measures they were boarding up their windows they were removing merchandise and uh and taking a variety of other precautions right yeah i i've actually we've noticed the murals downtown on on robson and kind of surrounding areas um which you know seems to kind of add uh, partly security but partly we're seeing people walking around looking at them uh kind of enjoying them as part of the cityscape now yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was, I think, uh, something that we had not anticipated, um, you know, that there would have been um, uh, as much hoarding up of the windows and the storefronts as, as we saw. But, um, you know, right away, we knew that that was going to be uh, a visual distraction and, and something that wouldn't be pleasant, you know, for people that were still around and walking in the downtown area. And so that was a great partnership that uh, we had with the Vancouver Mural Festival and some other business improvement associations like Robson Street and South Granville uh, to uh, to do that initiative, and it supported a number of local artists. And so, uh, and then the response that we had from the community at large and media was really great. So, it, you know, that was I guess that was one of the silver linings of all this is that um, you know it wasn't great to see uh, storefronts boarded up and graffiti followed after that. Uh, and then quickly, you know, we, my team was able to respond and, uh, we provided funding to, to make that happen. We, we've, we've talked a lot about resiliency on this podcast and kind of this new age of, of, um, crises that we're kind of seem to be entering with global warming and everything else. We actually just had, uh, Jeb Brugman on the podcast who, who his comment was that COVID-19 is, is a dress rehearsal for, what is potentially coming in kind of future years just out of curiosity like how have you guys been your organization how has it been preparing for future challenges um kind of moving forward yeah well on climate change and uh sea rise level or sea levels rising it has become a, a focus of ours as an organization i mean the small part that we can play i mean you know we're not we're not senior levels of government and we're not the city government but, um, 
you know, we can we we can do a small part to to start to address it. So we we do have a, a sustainability component of what we do as an organization, and uh, we've supported a number of city initiatives to uh, reduce the use of uh, single use items. Uh, we've uh, supported a number of other initiatives that uh, you know were controversial, like uh, the expansion of the bike lanes, as an example, or support of electric of electric vehicles and and charging stations. You know, because that's definitely, you know, even though most of us don't think that's an item that would create controversy or any of those items I mentioned would create controversy within our membership, they do, especially bike lanes. Uh, it's been a lightning rod over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. I would say less so now. Right. Uh, but uh, so we, we support a number of different initiatives um, uh, and encourage our members to, you know, reduce uh, single use items. Uh, support bike lanes. Uh, we support our member businesses that have looked at uh, adding end of trip facility, end of trip facilities for cyclists, uh, the Moby bike stations. I mean, there's a whole list of projects that we've come out in support of, and uh, and we've created great partnerships with uh, organizations that uh, play a much bigger role in uh, starting to address climate change. Is I was struck by earlier when you said, you know, if we get back to, um, you know, uh, basically the idea of a new normal, right? Like there might mm-hmm. not be, we might not going be going back to, to what life was in February. If you could just, and again, this is uh, early days, nobody knows, but if there was one sort of big change you've thought of for downtown Vancouver over the next couple of years that, that might be a, a lasting impact. Is, is there something that you can think of that you think, okay, this will, some, some component of our lives downtown is going to look very different. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the one that stands out for me is, um, is how can we move downtown uh, to becoming maybe a little bit, less reliant on um on on the private automobile uh and and we're going to have to adapt to this because uh you know we're we're going to have to keep these social distancing measures in place for a while and uh you know I'm sure that we're all doing this is that you know we're we're trying to maintain that uh, 2 meter distance from anyone that we're walking by on the street as an example in our sidewalks uh, are are not uh, are not wide enough um, in a, in a number of locations in our own BIA district, and so um, I think what we're going to have to do is maybe take away some of that road space uh, to make it more pedestrian friendly and to provide opportunities for particularly our restaurants to be able to spill out into the streets, and and that is a a very live discussion that's happening right now at City Council in terms of of um, of doing that. And, uh, you know, you look at Stanley park as an example with, uh, you know, making it more mobile friendly for cyclists and pedestrians. And as you know, there's a, a, a live discussion going on about keeping it car free. Right. Uh, so I, I, th- I think this is something that, um, I think this is something that as a downtown organization, um, you know, we need to have a conversation with our membership about this and, and think about, uh, wider sidewalks and uh, and more outdoor space uh, for a variety of different activities, be it dining, 
or people just hanging out. So I, I think this will be a, um, I wouldn't know if I would call it a lasting legacy of COVID-19, right. <laughs> but, but I think it will be a, a byproduct of it going forward. Because again, I, I think there is a potential of a second wave of the infection. Uh, but, uh, but I think in the end, it would be uh, a positive outcome uh, out of COVID-19 is if we were able to uh, further uh, make our downtown pedestrian friendly and and make it more uh friendly for cyclists and and that that is a statement i wouldn't have said 15 years ago but i think it is something that uh that we should move towards right yeah that's interesting i feel like gordon price i don't know if you follow uh yeah i do he's been on the on the podcast in the past and and his price tags bog uh has been talking a lot about that and and yeah, that could be, yeah, if there's any silver lining, I mean, that, that sounds incredible to kind of get, uh, get those sidewalks widened up and, and those outdoor spaces and, and kind of not, um, what's the word? Not, not be so beholden to, to automobiles is, it sounds like a positive in my mind. Yeah. And I think the other thing, if I had a second one, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, the ability for businesses of all types, you know, to be able to uh, adopt um, uh, work from home. And, and I'm not, I don't think this is necessary. I don't think it's going to replace, um, you know, the need for office space. I, I think if anything, it will, um, it will just provide people with more options. And, you know, I always thought, um, I hope I don't jinx anything here, but I always thought that downtown would be more impacted uh, um, by an earthquake sometime during my career and that that hasn't happened um and uh we got hit by the pandemic instead um but i i i was never set up to work from home and uh, certainly uh what brought home this issue to me was that uh, i need to be able to work from home and uh, i have a laptop now that's that was all set up when i did leave on march 24th to work from home and i can work from home now quite easily and i was actually quite surprised of uh how productive I was not more productive than being in the office, but I was more productive than I actually thought I might be. Right. Uh, but I think that will be, I think we're, we're, I think a lot of people would have probably adjusted to the ability to work from home from time to time, but I think there'll still be a need for office space going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that makes one of us on this call who is more productive. <laughs> it's gonna say, uh, it sounds like you don't have an eight year old. <laughs> I know I don't have, we don't have children. <laughs> Yeah. Um, maybe as a final, a final question here, Charles, um, what, what can people do to help? Yeah. Well, and you know, we had, it was interesting. I had a similar question after the uh, 2011 Stanley cup riot. Um, and, uh, I remember, I can't remember who the reporter was, but a reporter asked me, you know, what can we do to help the businesses that have been impacted back then by the riot? Uh, and the question way I would answer the question you just asked me right now is that is you know when you feel comfortable uh is is go out and support you know our street level businesses our restaurants our retailers um you know come back and experience uh everything that downtown has to offer uh I can assure your listeners that um our businesses are are very cognizant of uh people being potentially afraid uh, concerned that they might get infected by visiting these businesses. And they've taken every single precaution to, 
uh, avoid that from occurring. Um, there's a lot of due diligence. Um, they've, uh, you know, they're they're following all the practices from WorkSafe BC. Uh, they're talking to each other, um, uh, competitors talking to each other about, you know, what what have you done to reduce the transmission of COVID-19? Um, I would just say when you're when you're safe to do it, uh, our businesses are there to welcome you back. Fantastic. We we do have this quick segment called the Five Wire, Five Quick Questions. Can you stick around for that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so f- question number one is, what is your favorite neighborhood <laughs> in Vancouver? This might be political for your, you. <laughs> your, your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver, and uh, if you want to play oh. the fifth. <laughs> uh, my favorite neighborhood in Vancouver. Um, you know, I would say the one I live in. So we live in Marple, and I don't know if you want to know why. But, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think I like it because I think it just, um, you know, it, it's very ethnically diverse. Um, you know, a lot, lot of locally, uh, local independent shops, uh, close to the airport, um, close to the Fraser River. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it gives me that I, I really love downtown and, uh, and, and what's here. Uh, but it's a good juxtaposition to, you know, to downtown and just a nice, quiet neighborhood. Favorite bar or restaurant, Charles? Um, well, I'm, there's several. <laughs> That's probably a very diplomatic answer, but um, you know, the I think the couple of uh, Nightingale I put at the top of the list, and um, Italian Kitchen would be there too, and Tractor would be another one for a lunch, you know, yeah. a healthy lunch. Right. Yeah. Oh, Nightingale. That made me really miss restaurants. Uh, right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, one book you would recommend that everyone should read? Oh. Um, yeah, it's going to sound, it's going to, it is going to sound very, um, you know, primarily because I've, I've managed um, not for profit organizations. Um, and so I'm going to pick something from that field, but reinventing your board, uh, by John Carver and Miriam Carver. Huh. That's a, that's a new one. So it's, uh, it's a book I, 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 I literally have on my bookshelf. I have the one, one of the other books by John Carver boards that make a difference, but these are two books that, um, are within easy reach. And, uh, I often go back and read a certain chapter, uh, but it's primarily because I, I work for a board of directors and I'm always trying to find ways uh, to uh, ensure that, um, you know, the board is performing at its best and the role doesn't just rest exclusively with me to do that. I, I work with the board chair and always trying to find ways to ensure that um, the board is operating at, at a hundred percent or 110%. That's a great one. Um, one piece of advice that you'd give your 18-year-old self. Oh, okay. And Charles, just uh, you were top 40 under 40, I believe, at one at one point. Yeah, a lot. yeah <laughs> so a you lot. gave yourself some good so advice. So you definitely, <laughs> yeah, you were probably full of pretty good advice at 18. So this will be interesting. I'd probably say um, something that I've, I've practiced all my life, but, uh, you know, it's be patient and, and uh, really try to ensure that um, I can mentor people that I work with and also 
you know, also be prepared to have other people provide me advice and suggestions. And my whole career has been, I, I, I'd say I've been really lucky in, in the roles that I've had and I'm really lucky in the role that I currently have. Um, but you know, my success has been really dependent on having a good team surrounded or surrounded by a good team and and good people. Oh, that's a good one. And and the, and the last question is something that you have purchased for under a thousand dollars that's changed your life recently. Oh, wow. Under well, for me, it'd be a pair of running shoes. Oh, that's a good one. Hey, sounds, <laughs> that might be mine too. <laughs> It'd be several pairs of running. Yeah, I think I took up running probably seriously. And uh, like, I don't do any kind of marathons or half marathons anymore. I just don't, my body can't stand it. But I think I've been running since 1997 on a regular basis, wow. uh, other than maybe when I've had an injury and I've done three marathons and I can't remember how many half marathons and I did a sprint. Uh, marath- uh, sprint triathlon a couple of years ago, which I really enjoyed. I'm not a great swimmer, but I, I really enjoyed uh, doing those three activities. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think, but yeah, uh, it doesn't cost anywhere near a thousand dollars, but you know, a good $200 pair of running shoes. Um, and that's really been my salvation in terms of just maintaining good health and uh, doing something that, you know, helps me de-stress at the end of the day. Right. I feel like uh, my comment about me as well is now like, uh, I know, saying to Wayne Gretzky, like, we're both hockey players. (laughs) (laughs) When I started running around my block about three weeks ago, (laughs) Matt was going to ask you for your Strava username, but uh, I think he's going to avoid that now. Well, well, thanks so much, Charles, for for taking the time today. That was a really interesting conversation, and I hope uh, I I hope we're uh, if new normal or old normal. I hope we're back to seeing people in restaurants and shopping downtown as soon as possible. Yeah, likewise. And and Charles, how can people find out more about Vancouver Business Improvement Association? Uh, go to our website dtvan.ca. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Charles, and and. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the day. Okay, thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with the president and CEO of Downtown Vancouver's Business Improvement Association, Mr. Charles Goche. Really enjoyed that conversation with Charles Goche, Matt. And uh, interesting guy. A lot of insightful comments about the downtown uh, business market and what's happening and and how you can help, of course. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky time, but I'm optimistic. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. Um, you know what? I meant to actually bring this up. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I actually was thinking about it in the introduction. I have a friend who works for a large hotel downtown, and they have furloughed almost their entire staff. He's one of the few people still in the office. Right. But it is one of the largest hotels. And what he said to me last time I spoke with him was they are treating this as if they are opening a new hotel. They're in the process of opening a new hotel in a market that they know nothing about. Hmm. So that is how dramatic 
COVID-19 yeah. is for some of these thriving businesses that are, are longstanding in Vancouver. So there's challenges out there for sure. But, uh, but yeah, opportunities as well. I mean, specifically, I like to think of that fewer cars, more walking, more cafes, more, uh, yeah. outdoor seating. I mean, I think this could, this could go a long way in and, Vancouver. And, and the silver lining as well is, is uh, I think, you know, business is becoming more resilient and, um, hopefully, you know, adapting and overcoming and then better checks and balances in place for future crises, which are inevitably on their way. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. Unfortunately, but great conversation. What else do we got before we go today? Uh, Adam, let's reiterate. We are hiring. We are hiring. If you are a licensed agent or somebody about to get your license, or if you're a seasoned agent looking for a change, looking to be on a team, Definitely get in touch with us. Team, team Scalina Real Estate. Info at com. No, sorry, actually, info at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Let's keep it com. That's right. Yeah. And, and Matt, we also uh, want to talk to the potential buyers and sellers out there right now because if you are thinking about listing your property, we can do what's called a comparative market analysis for you, let you know what we think your, your price is worth in this current climate. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the fact is, is Evan Siddell's talking about the Canadian real estate market, which is a very broad, nebulous thing that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Sure. What happens in Brandon, Manitoba is not what happens in Vancouver. Right. Uh, if you read that and you're thinking, maybe I want to find out a little bit more about what's happening with my place. Submarkets are important. People that work in your area are important. Definitely get in touch. And uh, we can definitely help. Yeah. And even if you don't want to sell, even if you just want an update on what, what your home's worth, get in touch for sure. And if you are a buyer, Matt, we've got some phenomenal resources at our, our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Absolutely. We have the Livewire. That's our weekly newsletter that goes out. Deal of the month. We got great stats that we send out every month. We also have that real estate research tool, Private Client Services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's available on our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And if you're looking for real estate in Vancouver and you're not using PCS, you're just really, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And we can help you with that. If you want to talk about that, or anything else, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Maybe the fittest guy in Vancouver to be determined uh, when we see him again, which who knows when that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, right. you know what? It's my fitness pal, though, following along. He's the elliptical. Just blown up. Yeah, yeah, he's, I he's didn't the only he... guy on Strava. I didn't even know Strava actually records elliptical. <laughs> He's the only guy ellipticaling around the block. I think he's, is he, has <laughs> he, he added scared. wheels to his elliptical? It's, uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not even sure how he's doing it. Yeah. But one thing I know is he hasn't left his house in two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he actually texted the other day. He has reached out. He was concerned about, uh, are people going outside to get groceries? Um, that was a, we have the same phone, right? Like we, we can all, we can all, you see the same news, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 